You're listening to Inside Acting. To find out more and make a donation, visit our website at InsideActingPodcast.com. Hello and welcome to episode 75 of Inside Acting. My name is Trevor Elgott. And I'm AJ Meyer. And on this podcast, we sit down and interview actors and directors and filmmakers and writers and casting directors and agents and managers and voiceover artists and people from all over the entertainment industry. And we package those interviews up into this little podcast that we stick out on the internet every week for free for our lovely listeners. (laughs) And of course, we are just two dudes with a podcast, so we don't pretend to know all the answers. We made this podcast because we are looking for the answers. So if you have anything you'd like to contribute to the podcast, any feedback you'd like to give us or our guests or uh, anything you'd like to uh, say, what you like, what you don't like, anything like that, you can get in touch with us in a bunch of different ways. And the best way to get started is to visit our website at InsideActingPodcast.com. And on today's episode, we have part two of our chat with Colleen Wainwright, who again, some of you may know a little bit better as the communicatrix. This is a really, really good chat, this second part. We really kind of go deeper and talk about social media and marketing and how to communicate effectively, but with some really actionable stuff this time. So, fantastic stuff. Stick around for that. Yo, what up, listeners? 75. It's a big number. It is I a big number. I don't even know how to count that high. So thanks for uh, for sticking with us and making this happen, guys. This is this is all a product of our listeners and their support. Um, so yes, this, is, this, is, this is your fault that we're at 75 episodes yeah, now. Yeah, it's so, all your fault. So thank you for, uh, for getting us here. Especially, we have a shout-out this episode. Yes, we do. Cameron, Cameron Tucker sent us a wonderful, generous, awesome, amazing donation. Thank you so much, Cameron, for uh, for your support. Um, really went above and beyond in, in getting us some uh, financial means to, to keep going. And we know exactly where that money is going to go. To that mic stand right there that you're <laughs> sitting in front of. That's right. Right now. Yes. We are going to buy the expensive mic stands Our mic this stands, time because yeah. we're sick of these things sucking. We, we, have, uh, we have always been... Uh, putting a band-aid on the mic stand situation is buying new ones when they when they break down on us. Um, but that means that we've gone through many, many, many mic stands. Yeah. Well, and mine so, has that pipe that pipe stuff on it right here, right? And then yours. Oh yeah, pipe just, tape. And then oh, yours also needs. Uh, um, yeah, and there's a missing lever, so we gotta use a we gotta a stick screwdriver. a screwdriver in to anyway. Yes. So well, we're now <laughs> we're now gonna stop complaining about our mic stands because <laughs> we've gotten some generous donations, and now we can actually go out and fix the problem. Hey, remember that episode we did about our mic stands? Oh, oh yeah, those ten. <laughs> So, um, yeah, thank you, Cameron. Um, what is new in your world, dude? All kinds of things, my friend. Um, I had an audition and it was, you had a meeting, I had a meeting, I had a meeting. Yes. Meeting. It was one of the best meetings I've ever had. It, uh, it was for a musical, uh, in a 99 seat theater house. And I, I went in this was um this was um Full Monty? Yes. Awesome. Yeah, an audition for uh the Full Monty, which by the way is just one of my favorite musicals yeah. ever. In fact it's my pick of the week. 
Oh, <clears throat> so, bam, bam. There it is. I sat in the room before going in and I was so excited. Ben Whitehair, who I'm going to talk about probably a couple times on this episode, he and I were having a conversation about this experiment that they did. And if I'm butchering it, somebody can correct me, but they put like these machines on people's heads and like did all these, um, uh, experiments drew blood and stuff like that after they went on a roller coaster or while they were on a roller coaster. And then they interviewed everyone afterwards and they asked them what their emotion was. And people said they were afraid or excited or exhilarated or whatever. And what they discovered, and I'm sure they've done other experiments since they discovered that, um, the people who said they were afraid and the people who said they were excited, the exact same brain chemistry was happening. The exact same uh, chemicals were being released wow. in their brain. So fear and excitement to your brain are virtually <clears throat> indistinguishable. Fear and excitement are virtually indistinguishable. So who is it up to? On a mental, it's intellectual to, level. Yeah. Wow. Well, on a on a on, on a, a chemical on level, on a biophysical level. Yes. So on on a on a mental level, you know, who gets to decide what that looks like? It's me. I get to decide that it's excitement and not fear. Were you nervous going into this uh, meeting? Uh, well, I had the physical, uh, symptoms of nervousness, the clammy hands, the increased heart rate, the sort of jittery legs. And I just took a big deep breath and I said, man, I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited (laughs) right now. Like I'm so excited. And then I told myself, okay, I'm really committed to being connected in that room, being authentic, you know, um, being myself. And I, that's what I told myself. I'm just going to go in there and be myself. And that's exactly what I did. And it was one of the best auditions I've ever had. I They were laughing basically from the time I w- walked in the room to the time I left. Um, and it is a musical comedy, so that's a good thing. <laughs> right. Um, I, uh, Important to make that distinction. <laughs> I was super, I was open about everything. I had prepared a couple of different songs and I actually like asked, I was like, what do you guys want to see? I have this, I have that. And the director was like, whoa, given the choice, I'll absolutely go with that one. I, so I sang that one. That's fantastic. Killed it and um, did the scene, killed the scene. And right on the spot, they gave me, they, they gave me a callback on the spot. And they were like, uh, yeah, we want you to come back on Wednesday. There's a dance call. Da, da, da. Meaning this this uh, next coming Wednesday? <clears throat> no, this past Wednesday. Oh, okay. So I'll, I'll explain what, what the results of this were. So I said, um, I had somewhere to, uh, that I uh, that I am committed to being on Wednesday nights. And I, I was like, well, and what am I going to do? Am I going to pull like the scared actor thing and think like if I say this, they're not going to hire me? I said, no, I'm going to stand in my power here and I'm going to deliver it how you know and i was like uh actually guys i get to be in marina del rey at 7 30 p.m on wednesday night and they were like "Ooh, okay so no that's definitely not going to work and the director like kind of looked up at the ceiling and looked back to me he's like you know what don't worry about it we'll make it work if they want to work with you they want to work with you period so i guess the lesson i learned is is just that there's Mm -hmm. no reason to be to hold myself small to the audition, hold myself small to the job, hold myself small to the people on the other side of the table. Yeah. Just You're no, a human being just like they are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What I love about With that. With considerations and commitments outside of 
that room. Yeah. You know and, I mean? and, you know, true professionals understand that and they really respect that you, that you stick to your commitments like that. You mm-hmm. know, I think people would expect it way or respect it way more. If you say, you know, I can't do this because I have this other commitment. Can we find another time rather than saying, yeah, sure. And then hearing or finding out somewhere down the line that you had to like struggle and, you know, scramble to, to free things up and whatnot. It's like, or, or not show up. Yeah, or, or say like, or, or oh, be yeah. late, or you yeah, know, exactly. like, and then complain about being stuck somewhere else. It's, it's like, just tell you know, set those expectations up front. What's really cool about that story is that you said you went in and you just decided to be yourself. Mm-hmm. And I had a, a coach years and years ago, uh, and I was talking to him. Um, I was going on a big audition, and I said to him, I said, "Yeah, man, I'm going to go in there. And I'm going to just kill it tomorrow." And he goes, "No, you're not. You're going to go in there tomorrow, and you're going to show them who you are." Mm. And I was like. Oh, noodle bake. Uh-huh. It really, it really yeah. changed the way I look at this entire, uh, art form. Yeah. Completely. Absolutely. And, and, and the feedback was great. One of the things I wanted to do is book the office in this one because Amy Lieberman was casting and she does, she does cast, uh, 99 C theater, but she also casts like a lot of equity theater. There's only four theater casting directors in, in LA really that do mo- the majority of the work. Michael Donovan, Julia Flores, Rolf Staggs, and Amy Lieberman. And I'm, <clears throat> I've, I'm essentially on all of their radars except for Amy. And that's not true anymore. <laughs> um, she, she gave great feedback and my manager called me and said, you know, that she thought you were adorable. They all thought you were great. I think now's the time to tell them about Australia. And I said, yeah, that sounds good. That sounds good. And that's official now. I saw on your Facebook yeah, page so that uh, you are officially thing. a part of that project. <clears throat> yeah. Now. So that's the other thing going on. So so then she called them or she emailed them and told them that I had booked that. And she sent me she sent me the email back from Amy. And it was like, poop. They all really loved him. <laughs> Does that mean you can't do Full Monty? <laughs> right. Gotcha. Right. But the, but the thing is, is that that wasn't the important thing. I mean, yes, it's one of my favorite musicals. I would have a blast doing it. Right. But it's 99 seat theater. I'm getting paid for this other gig. I get to go to Australia for free. And uh, I booked the office. Dude. Like I, Amy I, rem- will remember me now. I, I, I just needed to tell you that I love everything that's going on with your career right now. You are on fire, dude. And and the best part is that you're creating really strong relationships based on who you are as a person yeah. and the work and the professionalism that you bring into the room every yeah. time. Well, and you know it's just now you're getting to the point where people are ha- your your representation is having to schedule things around your conflicts because you have so many things that people want you for. Yeah. And that's like every actor's dream. Yeah. You know, oh, they can't do the Hunger Games because they're booked on this Steven Spielberg film. <laughs> that's what that's what's happening to you right now just on a kind of smaller level, but yeah. you're if that's happening here, it's only a matter of time before it happens in bigger and bigger ways. Yeah. Well, the last time I was at a point where I was choosing between projects was in college and my level of passion for what I was doing has been on a steady decline ever since then until I started going through this MITT MITT and and this sort of journey of self-discovery because now what I like it's exactly what you just said it's not really MITT MITT gave me the tools what it is is I'm showing up authentic I'm showing up as myself yeah I'm showing up you know passionate again i'm showing up uh committed again and all that you know it's finally starting to land the stuff that we've listened to our guests say over and over and over again about confidence and being yourself 
We have a voicemail from Erica in Seattle, and she sounds adorable. Hi, my name is Erica, and I'm calling from Seattle, Washington. I just recently started listening to the podcast, and I love it.、Um, I don't know if this question has been addressed before. If it has, but any advice for actors in other markets aside from LA? Because I'm in Seattle, I've done some theater, I've done some commercials out here, but you know, I would like to do more, obviously. So, if you have any advice for people in other areas, that would be great. Thank you. Well, we've gotten this question a lot. Yeah, the it's the it's the minor market the, question, the, the niche market question, minor, minor markets, minor minor, minor, minor word for it. Yeah, yeah. and the, and what's interesting is we, then we got a follow up. Yeah, and she she was a little bit more specific.、Voicemail. And she said, "I wanted to do, I really wanted to do voiceover commercials and theater、mm-hmm. in in Seattle." Or I th- did she mention another city as well? Or was、uh, that or it, she said even another、uh, minor market like Minneapolis? <laughs> well, she's got the first part figured out, and that's oh, thank you for calling by the way.、Uh, yeah. First of all, and then secondly,、um, the first part is just figuring out specifically what it is you want to do. And I don't know what the commercial market is like in Seattle, but theater and voiceover you can find pretty much anywhere.、Mm-hmm. Voiceover you can be ubiquitous now because you're on the internet, right? That stuff, right?、Um, as long as you have、uh, decent equipment, right? Theater markets tend to be smaller in those in those areas,、um, but that's a good thing because、mm-hmm. there's there's you know more less competition、mm-hmm. for for the roles. So,、uh, but I don't know about commercials. I mean. I, I imagine it's probably similar to theater, but the jobs probably aren't as big. You're probably going to end up doing a lot of promotional modeling、mm-hmm. type, you know, handing out Red Bulls at a shopping mall kind of thing. Well, occasionally,、uh, stuff, you know, big time stuff will get shot in that area just because either a client of an advertising firm is there, or it's got the right look for the commercial that they're shooting. You know, all, all kinds of commercials. Maybe there's get, a tax incentive of some kind. Yeah, yeah or all kinds yeah. of commercials get get shot in.、Um, In San Francisco because it's an iconic city, so I'm、yeah. sure with Seattle with the needle and everything, I'm sure some stuff gets shot there for sure. Yeah, Pike Plant. There's a lot of stuff there. Yeah. Two things that came up for me when I was listening to this. One is, you know, well, actually, it, they're both kind of two sides of the same coin. Here, here's what I would、um, suggest to anybody who's in a minor market: just get really clear about what your vision is, because you can't really move forward without that. Because when I was in the Bay doing of Mice and Men, I was working with a bunch of actors who, for the most part, <clears throat> spend their lives going from regional theater equity gig to regional theater equity gig, and making a living doing that. And they just went from theater to theater in the greater San Francisco Bay area and surrounding suburbs. Getting their eight hundred bucks a week,、Getting、or whatever it is, seven sixty-five a week, depending on the ho- size of the house and the and the contract, and and that was it. And most of them didn't have representation. In fact, I think only one of them did. Most of them didn't have representation, which means they didn't have to quote unquote share that money with with anyone or pay somebody to find that work. I guess is more apt. They、uh, were getting benefits, health benefits through equity for not only themselves but their family. Um, and they were loving their life, and that's the most important thing to me is that they knew what they wanted for their lives, and it was that. It it was that. I mean, they would love like they've gotten auditions for feature films that have been shot in San Francisco from time to time. I heard a lot of stories like that, and they got very close. And then, you know, one guy was like about to get cast, but then they offered the role to Ed Harris, and he accepted. Um, you know, 
but the thing is, is they're, they're happy and there's a difference between happiness and content. They weren't settling. Only cows are content, my dear. (laughs) Uta Hagen, I think said that. They're, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're, yeah, they're, they're happy. They, they love their life Mm. and that's the life that they've chosen for themselves. It's the exact same thing in Philadelphia. A lot of actors yeah, this is another minor thing. market. And, you know, M. Night, M. Night Shyamalan, um, you know, he lives in Bryn Mawr, which is just a, a township away from where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And so when they were shooting The Sixth Sense and Signs and Unbreakable and uh, Lady in the Water, I was still in Philly. And that was like everybody was, all these regional actors were auditioning for and getting parts in his films. But when they weren't doing that, they were just in regional theater, just mm-hmm. doing the underground arts thing that Philly has. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, and, making and, making good living. You know, yeah. I, uh, I had uh, a couple of the well, several of the people in my cast had families, wives, kids, taking care of them on a regional theater salary. Yeah. There's you know, no reason to worked. to come out to L.A. or New York if you don't want that. Exactly, it's not the best That's, lifestyle that, in the world. To be honest, <laughs> you know? not that I hate it, but you know, no, I no, think no, I'd that, be, no, no. The point is, what what do you want? Right. Yeah, you just said it. Yeah. What do you want? So that's what I'm saying. Get really clear on your vision because even when she called back, like like we said earlier, Erica called us back and said, you know, uh, I, I I'm really interested in doing voiceover, commercial, and theater. It's mm-hmm. like okay, that's kind of specific, but not really specific. And I appreciate her keeping the voicemail short. If it was Absolutely. if it was you, how would you make it more specific? It's like well. If, if those are the three things you want to do, now it's time to like make an action plan. It's like, okay, what are you going to do? You're interested in voiceover. What are you going to do? You're interested in commercials. What are you going to do to make that happen? You're interested in theater. What are you going to do to make that happen? And the thing is, is like, if you're really committed and you're taking committed action to make stuff happen in those three areas, <clears throat> the other two are going to suffer at least temporarily while you focus on the one. Un- unless you're trying to be jack of all trades, master of none, and then nothing's going to get done, mm-hmm. and and you're and those are the results that you're going to create. Yeah. You'll be you'll be doing committed action kind of in all three places at the same time, and not really focusing right. yourself on one. So it's really just finding out what those next committed actions are for exactly. for each area. And it's this is a little bit tricky because in LA, you know, we do things a certain way, but if you take those things from LA and put them to a minor market like Seattle or Philadelphia, it's not always, it doesn't always translate. You know, I remember when I, when, when I was in Philadelphia, black and white headshots were the way to go. If you had a color headshot, it was almost like, what are you doing? Like it gives away too much. We want black and white headshots out here. If you have a black and white headshot, it's like, what is it? 1980 dude, get a color headshot. Right. You know, I mean, that's a, such a seemingly insignificant thing, but it, it could make a difference. So maybe, gosh, I don't know where to start with that. Just find out what the, uh, what's, what's accepted. What's what the normal, well, what the kind of standard is maybe and get to work on those things. Get really specific about what you want. And then when it comes to like, for instance, voiceover is pretty universal. Like you don't have to be anywhere. Right. You could be anywhere on the planet to do the voiceover thing. So what equipment do you have? How are you going to record it? Do you have a demo reel? Are you on voices one, two, three voicebank.net and all of the other self-submission websites? Right. Are you committed enough that you're going to pay for like their premium services? Is that something that you don't really want? Are you going to get a, uh, a voiceover agent? How are you going to get a voiceover agent? Mm-hmm. You know, when is your reel going to be completed by? Right. And who are you going to send it out to in order to get representations that you don't have to be clicking and submitting yourself on these voiceover websites? Right. We should suggest that uh, she gets a commercial demo reel done first. 
a lot of actors kind of want to jump into animation right away or, or audiobooks right away or children's books or, or, you know, um, trailers and not narrative documentaries, that kind of thing. But the commercial demo is the one demo that agents and casting directors will, will accept in lieu of any other demo. So for instance, if there's an animation job that you want to submit on, but you don't have an animation demo, they will accept the character, uh, a commercial demo. However, if there's a commercial job and you don't have a commercial demo, they will not accept an animation demo. So your commercial demo is really the catch-all. And so you want it before you put your money into anything else, except maybe equipment for your, for your home studio, get a commercial demo done mm-hmm. and get it done, get it done well. Not necessarily knowing what goes on in the minor markets, that makes it tough for us to give you specifics on what the next action step yeah, is. I was going to say, after all of this, Erica, we're just two dudes with a podcast, and we're in a completely different market, and um, you know we don't have all the answers, so we hope that this helps kind of give you a starting off point. You well, know, we, have, but, uh, but, we have thousands of listeners, too, who... You know, uh, that's a good point. Who really get to get engaged? You know, we have people calling in, and you know, I got I got an email from New York, an email from San Francisco. Um, You know, we get voicemails from all over the world, and and you know, tweets from all over the world. We are just providing the forum, and even the questions that we ask of our guests is a forum. The bookends that we do before and after the interviews are a forum. You know. Um, yes, we're the ones sitting behind the microphone, but to me, I feel like I'm in service of all of our listeners. Yeah. We were talking about this before we started recording. We really just feel like we facilitate a conversation. We don't, we don't aim to necessarily be the conversation. Right. Exactly. You know, exactly. And so I, I encouraging our listeners to really jump into that and, and begin to, to make that happen in a, you know, one of the one of the benefits of emailing or calling into the podcast is yes we talk about it on the podcast and we and we give our best um you know answers that we know based on the experiences that we've had but even more so than that is now you have you know thousands of listeners of this podcast who have more to say and things to add to the discussion. You know I would mean? love to get follow-up emails and and voicemails from people saying, you know, here's my experience with this, or here's my what happened to me, or here's what I would maybe suggest coming from a similar situation. Right. That would be so awesome. Right. And then to- we just and then we're we're just the mouthpiece, and we're just reading. You know, right. what it is that somebody else yeah. contributed to the podcast. <laughs> I hope that helps, Erica. <laughs> Thank you so much for calling in. I hope that wasn't too overwhelming. Um, and, uh, you know, please keep us posted on how things go with that. We are out of time, so we got to jump into this interview, dude. Rock and roll. Uh, Colleen Wainwright, part two. Really fantastic stuff on branding, marketing, communicating. Gosh, I don't even know where to start with it. It's a great, great kind of nuts and bolts chat. So enjoy that. We'll see you guys on the other side. talked a little bit about this before we started recording but it's a new world um yeah. in terms of you know media now these days i mean everybody talks about you know nobody's figured out how to make money on a click and that kind of thing right now and you know there's a lot of reality tv out there there's not aren't as many pilots being made there's more actors than ever in la right so how do you see this i don't want to say how do you see it playing out but i mean in this kind of ever-evolving 
you know, realm now with all this kind of, you know, any, anybody can have their own show. Anybody can have their own channel on the internet. What do you think? I mean, this has got to be a part of your, your conversations with your clients. Yes. So, so what do you, what do you kind of, what do you, what do you generally advise people to start looking at there? Um, and I will preface all this by saying the reason I can advise people like this is because I'm still guilty of looking for, I used to call it, um, limousine syndrome where like back in my dreamy New York days, I would dream that like a black town car would pull up and a smoke glass window would roll down and a long, elegant, beautifully manicured (laughs) hand would point, point to me, me, you win everything. I want you to have like whatever, I don't know, money, fame, you know, this fabulous house somewhere that's gone. Like that, if that ever existed, that's gone. And we often make our own. And I think that, I mean, people always used to say, I used to hear over and over all, I I didn't believe it. Um, just do your thing and people will find you. That is never been more true than now. Fortunately, we actually have the tools to do it. I mean, before when you were doing your own thing, people were finding you, um, you had to be, I mean, well, there's the whole myth of being perched on a drugstore stool, but, um, also we had to do theater or whatever. I mean, and not that I love theater. I love doing theater, but, um, even though it's exhausting, but that, that requires a ton of resources. And now with like this, like you came in here and set up and, you know, here we are, we're recording. It sounds really good to me. And, um, you can do your own show. You can have your own show. You can do your own thing. It's so much easier to do your own thing. Do your own thing and people will come to you. Um, build the audience because people want you pre-built with an audience. They want you like to already be coming to them with a platform um, that they can then see where it fits in with other things. They want you to have already an audience in place that then they can leverage. Um, and the truth is, if you have that, then you get to pick your terms. Uh, so I think that's more favorable anyway to do it. I mean, more favorable for actors to do it. But it's mm-hmm. like there's still this weird thing of wanting to be picked. Like that is going to mean something. It's mean. It's only meaningful if I get chosen, which mm. is bullshit. I mean, why is that meaningful? And I know why it's meaningful. I still want to get chosen too. You know, right? all right. I'm totally copying to it. Um, but at the same time, it's like no one's coming to rescue you. No one's going to like make you their darling. Go make shit. And, yeah. and make a lot and just make mistakes and then do it over and figure, you know, like partner with people and just make stuff, make stuff, make stuff, make it good. Don't just make it to be seen. Make it because it's something you need to make. Like you're doing the show because you wanted to have these conversations. That's a really good reason. Um, nothing wrong with also wanting to be seen and building an audience, but it, the, bring the passion you bring to acting uh, to whatever your endeavor is. Make sure that you're getting something out of it, like from your deepest heart hmm. and then make that thing like there's so many great things that still need to be made there's a fantastically hilarious cartoon by the oatmeal guy who you want to talk about a big thing you, did you read about like what happened to him recently the oatmeal guy is his name is it matthew inman i can't remember his name the guy who does that he does a comic on the web called the oatmeal and um recently some jack and it's he's very famous he's there there are these really funny cartoons he does um and somebody else on a competing a common website had been stealing for years his stuff and just posting it without attribution, which he just, you know, it was, it was, it was obnoxious. And he said, he wrote an obnoxious, but funny cartoon about them doing it. And then they served him with papers. Like, you know, what? yeah, it was really? crazy. It's like, cause you, this is de- you know, de- like, uh, you're defaming our character and this and that, or my client's <laughs> character and blah, blah, blah. And we would like $20,000 in damages. So he's like, 
well, F you, you've been stealing all my stuff for years. Here's a, li- a list of links. And there are like hundreds of links of stuff that they'd stolen. Uh, and I want, I'm going to raise $20,000 and then I'm going to give it all the charity. And I'm going to draw a cartoon of your mother, like, you know, whatever, getting <laughs> fucked by a bear. I love this guy. I know. He's awesome. <laughs> Look at that. So anyway, in, in, in within 24 hours, he'd raised over $120,000. Wow. In and he was like shocked that even he was shocked and he's got a huge fan base but um yeah and it's it's and climbing um which will show you the power of the internet and having a platform so uh, so one he's our, again he's proof of this concept but he's written a cartoon and i've saved it i've like bookmarked it in delicious i should probably like have a link to it on my homepage. but it basically talks about how to get noticed on the internet or how to get noticed period and and how not to and you know you got everybody on facebook and i will friend anyone anyone wants to friend me on facebook fine i i'm happy to do it i love meeting new people and facebook's a really easy way to do it um but nine times out of ten i am not kidding you with these numbers i will friend someone on facebook and you know accept the friend request and then immediately get asked to like their page Mm-hmm. Or like they're this, or do this, or get invited to that. I'm like, really? I mean, are you really just like, are you just looking at me as a thing to market to? Because that's just not cool. That's so not what I'm about, and it's so backwards. And you know, nobody likes that. No one wants to be looked at as someone you know to be sold to. Although everyone wants to buy. Um, so what? What he's saying is make something epic. He has an actual comic about this. He's like, make something extraordinary. And he has these really funny examples like, that I couldn't even begin to like do justice to. But they're like, you know, hilarious, extraordinary things that you could make. And he's like, I would be out there on the internet screaming about people doing this kind of stuff. It would be so awesome. You know, I would give you all the free publicity you want if you just make something really cool that I mm-hmm. want to see. But don't ask me to like your shit. That is lame. That is lame, lame, yeah, lame, I'll lame, I'll like lame. it once I see it. Exactly. And, you know, if I have a reason to like it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting that you said that um, you, you said, you know, am I just something that you're marketing to? Because I, I, I increasingly feel that that's the case with this kind of actor community in LA, at least mm-hmm. uh, on Twitter and Facebook. I feel like it's a bunch of marketers marketing to marketers. Yep. Um, and I, I, I increasingly don't get anything out of the transaction. So I've kind of slowly backed off from using these services and this community. Um, I'm sure there's pros and cons to, to me doing that, but what, what's your take on that? Uh, I think you're, I think we're in the vanguard of people getting sick of it. Um, I think that a lot of people who are still getting on don't get it, but I think plenty of people are going to start doing what we're doing and pulling back. Uh, and I do the same thing, frankly, because I'm, I'm, it's, it's overwhelming. I don't have time for it. I have my own life. And plus, I came on the internet to be delighted by things, to connect with people and find cool shit and share stuff that I think is cool. Uh, and not, I mean, it, uh, there's a great byproduct of all this, which is that if you do all those things, like if you're having a good time and you're meeting people and they're awesome and you're, you know, find commonalities and all these sorts of things, then you can, you know, help each other from a business perspective. But um, that people just look at it as a gigantic megaphone, not fun. Um, mm. So I, I again, I can't, I mean, part of it is I, I implore actors to, or even any artist or any people, please, because I know plenty of non-actors who are guilty of this as well, to just get on there and be a human being. I mean, share things and and talk to people, and you know. Like make epic shit and and put it up there <laughs> and spend your shit. yeah like spend your time doing that and quit and then you know don't ask me to like your page spend the time you know doing that and then yeah. pe- more people than you will could dream of will like your whatever your thing is because it will be epic shit and everyone wants epic shit there's never enough epic shit in the world yeah 
I love that. We have a saying on this podcast um, that we we like to avoid the word networking because we think it has we feel oh. we feel it has a negative connotation. <laughs> you know, like you just networked on me, you know. Like we like to think of it more as as building relationships. Yeah. And so when people say like. You know, it, it happened to me because I was at some event and somebody said, Hey, you know, give, do you have a card? Like, let's network. And I just instantly felt repulsed by that person because yeah. I was like, do you not care at all about who I am or what my name even is or yeah. what I do or where I'm from or card like, collectors? Like, and who are you? Like, yeah. so it, 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 I feel like a lot of the times that's what's happening online. And I, I don't mean to, to bash services like Twitter and Facebook and, um, all these other services, but I do feel like John, cause John Mayer had a great talk about this a little while ago. He, he talked at, uh, Berkeley, he gave a speech of some kind to the Berkeley music students. And he said, this was right around the time that he pulled off of Twitter and he had like, you know, millions and millions of followers. And he said, you know, like every, I, when I started realizing, when I started thinking, is this a good tweet? Are people going to like this? Are people going to retweet this? You know, how does it make me feel? When he started thinking like that, he's like, this is all this time that I'm not putting towards my music yep. and writing songs never gets any easier. So it's like he kind of pulled off of it and a lot of people criticized him for it and said, you know, you're making a big mistake. You're an idiot. He's John Mayer. So I don't think he has anything to worry about. He's already got a pretty established fan base no matter what he does. But to people that are maybe afraid to pull out of something like this because they're afraid of their follower numbers dropping or something like that, are these things that, that people in your experience uh, in in higher places, so to speak, value? Is this something that people, when they look at actors and they look at maybe the viability of an actor ah. as, as a commodity, do they look at things like this? I mean, how, how valuable is this in your estimation that somebody has an online following? There are people who are still going to, great question, by the way. Um, there are people who will still look at numbers. They are idiots because numbers mean nothing. You can game the system really easily to get a lot of quote unquote fans. Yeah, or it's like what, five bucks for 10,000 Yeah, I mean, like, now? it's ridiculous. There's a racket and everything. <laughs> Uh, what matters is engagement and what you can get people to do, which is why doing something like, you know, when I did the, not to tell, you know, my own shit, but like doing 50 for 50 was proof that, okay, yes, I have, you know, not even that many followers, but look what we can do with that. Like, that's cool that you can do that. That matters more than anything else. Um, I, obviously it's great if you've got a really huge engaged fan base, but I don't think, you know, if someone, no, I, I honestly, I don't think that anyone worthwhile, I don't think anything really good comes out of someone just, you know, doing something to get numbers. Because mm-hmm. the truth is, if you're afraid, and I love, you know, you, you threw that word in there, it's really good. It's like, you know, if you're afraid about this treat, this tweet not being good or people are going to unfollow you, then, then yeah, you should either tweet it or you should get the hell off Twitter. Because like, what are you doing? Like, it's crazy. It's a, it's a social media outlet and you're, 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 you're having fear around that. That's insanity. Mm-hmm. Uh, go make something immediately, immediately, <laughs> or go read something uplifting or go like pet a puppy or go, you know, like help uh, an elderly person across the street or anything meaningful and get the fuck off Twitter because that is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I no, I, I mean, obviously there will always be, and, and I, I know I just finished saying, yes, it's important to have a platform and to grow that, but you grow that by doing stuff that is true to you, you know, that's meaningful to you. And that is epic shit. Uh, not by the clever thing you said on Twitter. Yeah, and I, it is, yeah. it's difficult. I think about that with like, cause the whole reason I got on Twitter in the beginning was because a bunch of Weisenheimers this is back when no one was on in whatever, 2008 or whenever it started or yeah. Yeah, it was early yeah, on. Like that. Um, we were all just on making each other laugh. 
that was the whole thing. It was like, woohoo! This is just like a way to crack jokes. You know, Here's like how a, witty I can be in 140 characters. Exactly. Yeah. And just make each other laugh. And and there were a few people who were like, oh, if I can make this person laugh, that'll be like super great. And it was fun. Yeah. Um, it was like playing the dozens. But um, y- yeah, then it quickly evolved into something else. And I always think about, oh, that pressure that comedians must feel to be funny all the time. I can only imagine. Brutal. Yeah. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because that's that's you know that's their their media. That's I their know. media. You know, it's, it's words and, and funny, quick, witty jokes. So it must be it must be insane. Yeah, uh, it's it's interesting too that you mentioned that because you know two thousand eight, two thousand seven, whenever Twitter first came around, and I I joined it as well, and I I noticed that some people had tons and tons of followers, and a lot of people didn't, and I. It, I at the time, I wasn't able to put two and two together. I was like, well, this person's tweets are funny. You know, this is when it was a big deal to have a Twitter page. And I would go individ- visit individual Twitter pages. And um, I, did, I couldn't figure it out. And then I realized that what the difference is between people who have a lot of followers and uh, followers that are real followers, mm-hmm. like people that are actually actively engaged in the content that this Twitter person is tweeting, right. so to speak. Um the difference between that person and the, and the and another person is that that person's doing stuff like they're in, they're doing interesting things offline and they're just sharing parts of the process on Twitter and that's I think the important thing is that Twitter gives you this false sense of potential celebrity right and and you, you feel like you're doing something productive when you tweet because you get that little shot at serotonin when somebody rep- replies you or whatever but again you're not you're not offline in the real world feeding yourself the nutrients of the real world to create something. Okay, guys, sorry for the brief interruption. AJ has joined us. Say hi, AJ. Hi. <laughs> uh, so I, before before um, we stopped, uh, we were just briefly talking about Twitter and the value or non-value of marketing to marketers uh, and how really it's of no value if you're not out there in the real world creating stuff. No, that's ultimately like why people want... Although, I mean, I still think you look at some people who maybe are famous for being famous and are also on Twitter mm. and have a lot of followers. And uh, I, so I suspect there's still an awful lot of people People out there who just want to touch celebrity, um, just want to be around that. So there's still that sort of thing. In fact, if you ever want a real shock, just go to the regular timeline of Twitter, not your own one when you're signed in, but just like the general what's going on, the, the stream. And it's horrifying. If you like look at trending topics or like what's happening, it's it's like there are animals out there. Um, but if you look <laughs> well, at the people that we wait, tend to animals. like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's interesting to see what 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 what's in the kind of zeitgeist yeah. from from moment to moment, and a lot of times it's it's inspiring. A lot of times it's uh, surprising, and a lot of times it's Justin Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of times it is Justin Bieber. Yeah, a lot yeah. of times. Um, it's. I, I want to briefly rewind about uh, ten minutes or so in the interview, mm-hmm. um, where you said that um, a lot of us want to be chosen. Yes, and um, you know it's not it's not really how it works, and it's interesting that you that you bring this up because I've been listening to Fast Food Nation, the audiobook version of that, and what blows my mind is how smart these guys were that created McDonald's, that created Burger King, that created Wendy's and Taco Bell, like how smart they were and how hard they had to push to 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 change the the entire culture around food in this country, and I, I guess what I what I thought was where the parallel was was because you have to work really, really hard and you have to constantly be looking for ways to innovate and streamline what it is you do to kind of outfox all the other stuff that's out there rather than just to have somebody 
add you to their list of employees, which I think is kind of what you were saying there. You know, we, a lot of us want to be chosen, but it's not like that. You have to build it. You do. I, I mean, I, and of course we do get chosen for things right, here right. and there. I yeah. mean, that the, we always need employees. We always need to, be, you know, people to be part of, everyone can't be a leader all the time. Right. I, I'm sorry. I should clarify that I'm saying this in terms of, you know, actors who are maybe in our situation where that's one of the few things we actually have complete control over in our careers. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, I, so again, I think it's fine to be part of a group. It's fine to take a take a gig. Obviously, I mean, you know, health insurance. Hello, um, but no, it's it's good to be part of a group. But it's insanity as an artist not to be making something all the time. And one of the big difficulties of being an actor of having that as your art for a long time was the, well, you had to just wait around, you know, for someone to cast you in something or you know, start a play, you know, theater company or something with your friends so that you could act and you still need an audience, but it's much easier to make something now where you can find an audience, um, than it's ever been because of the internet and because of the tools getting so cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Um, cool. So since we're kind of getting to the end, we have two questions that we like to ask all yeah, okay. our guests and, um, do you want to kick off the first one here? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so this is kind of like the, uh, What's your favorite swear word? In, in, yeah, exactly. Inside the actor's studio <laughs> right. um, uh, moment. So uh, the first one is, um, given your um, experiences and how you came to be um, involved in the entertainment industry, involved in this business, involved in your career and your life as you as you see it and you live it, um, do you feel like this career path, this industry chose you or you chose it? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> you guys have a lot of good questions. I'm, I'm laughing because that's always the the, 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 the initial response. Like, wow, that's a really good question. That is a good and question. They, and then they think about it, and then something brilliant comes. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think it's, um, uh, I think we find each other. And it's not, because it certainly wasn't a direct path to anything. As, uh, you know, Trevor and I were talking, I had a rather circuitous route to where I am now. And a lot of the things that I'm doing now as part of the entertainment industry did not exist when I moved out even to even to Los Angeles 20 years ago. So part of that is me finding it. Um, and then also I think whenever things change and things are constantly changing, of course, but we just notice it more at, at certain times Then it, um, it, you know, like the pipe needs something to fill it. So it needs content. So here I am to provide content, which is mostly what I'm doing now, you know, for the industry is I'm here doing, um, you know, like right, doing a lot of writing for actors and people in the industry and creators to help them sort of navigate their way. The second question we have, and um, hopefully this isn't more difficult, is if you could take all your experience, all the, all the experiences you've had, everything that you teach, everything that you consult on, and distill that down into one nugget of information or one nugget of advice that you could share with uh, somebody getting started in this, in this world, and by this world, I mean the entertainment industry, what would that nugget of uh, advice be? I can't believe this wasn't, what's your favorite color? Um, <laughs> we, we can ask you that too. No, it may be more complicated. Um, I'd say don't wait, which I guess means start. If you're going to frame it in the positive, start, like do something. Uh, we wait around so much because we're afraid, because we want some, to be chosen, you know, for all these reasons that are not invalid. They're perfectly valid reasons, but they don't get you anywhere. And everything I've gotten 
that's been good in my life, um, I've gotten because I've extended myself somehow because I've done some crazy thing that maybe I had no business doing, but I tried it anyway. And I look around and I see, you know, people just trying shit and people get out there and who just try shit. They're inevitably the ones who get further faster, I think. Mm -hmm. Not that there's any shortcuts. Um, There's no guarantee that, you know, by trying shit and by not stopping that you'll get somewhere faster. But if nothing else, you'll be engaged doing something that is challenging and interesting to you and helps you grow um, and maybe will be that epic shit that we talked about before (laughs) that will draw people to you. Epic shit. I love that. Epic shit. Did you trademark that? Can I use use that? Use it away. (laughs) That's great. We We have a kind of an unofficial mantra on the podcast which is just fail forward. Oh, you know, I love that. Don't be afraid of the mistakes. Just kind of make the mistakes, but yeah. you're falling forward if you're doing it because exactly. you're getting out of your comfort zone. Yeah. Cool. Well, Colleen, this has been totally fantastic and awesome. Thank you so much for sitting down with us. If people want to find out more about you, um, obviously we'll include links on our website, but where can they go to get in touch with you? Uh, the best place is to go to my website, communicatrix.com. Um, I'm pretty, or you can just plug my name, Colleen Wainwright or communicatrix into the internet and I will come up in various places. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. I'm on, I'm all over the, I'm ubiquitous baby. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I love email provided that you do not send me large attachments and ask me to introduce you to an agent. (laughs) There you go. There you go. Cool. Make well, sure you're get, make sure you're always make sure we, we, we tend to tell our listeners to always make sure that they're adding value. Thank not you. Just, not just asking for it. Good mm-hmm. rule. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Cool. Well, again, thank you so much, Colleen. This has thank been great. Thank you. It's been great, you guys. Hey, folks. Welcome back. Hope you enjoyed uh, part two of our now joint interview <laughs> with <laughs> Colleen Wainwright. It's like she takes her beliefs in her life and in her, you know, committed action and all that stuff and then puts it into her career. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what we were talking about before the interview, earlier in the podcast, about just being your authentic self. Right. And then taking that into your career. Yeah. You know know? what I like about her work is that she doesn't purport to have a system or technique or method or anything like that. And I think we're used to being, (laughs) I think we're used to being marketed to in such a way, marketed at, marketed at, just just in our culture, not necessarily in this industry, just in our culture as like quick fix solutions. Here's a set step-by-step system, whatever you can do to take the guesswork out of it. That's how people market to you, you know? But what I like about her work is that she just kind of explores this vast, vast world that is human communication. And she doesn't purport to have the step-by-step system guide method, whatever. It's just like the discoveries and reading and learning and, and, and a few tips and tricks here that she picks up, but there's yeah. no like hard and fast thing. And I think I, I really, really admire uh, and enjoy that yeah. about her work. Yeah. Is that it, it, it's very honest that way. Yeah. One of the other things I've been learning a lot lately is systems break down. Mm -hmm. Systems break down. So if you have a system, it is bound to break down because, and this is why diets fail. This is why workout plans fail. This is why, you know, people who are, say they want something don't achieve it is because they look to something outside of themselves to make it happen. Systems break down. 
taking responsibility or being, you know, coming from a place of responsibility means that you will succeed every single time. Yeah. Well, I think that the, where they break down is that people look at these systems and think that it's a one size fits all, you know, and it's true. What works for one person that is successful can work for other people. Success mm-hmm. leaves clues. They say that all the time, but it, the exact same, same steps that worked for this person may not work for you because you're a different person. You're made up of different stuff. So I think where, where the success with the system comes is in learning to modify it and, uh, you know, adapt it to who you are and how you approach things. And like you just said, take full responsibility for where that system exploits your shortcomings and owning up to that mm-hmm. and pushing through those blocks. Yeah. That's a good way to put it too. So that's where, that's where systems both break down and really work. But it's it's not always effective to talk about something in terms of a systematic approach, I think. Right. And that's where I really like and enjoy what she does. Yeah. Totally. Wow. That was a long, <laughs> long way of saying something cool. Really nice. <laughs> really nice. <laughs> What's your pick of the week? Uh, my pick of the week, I wanted to do another, I wanted to repeat my pick of the week. I'm going to do a repeat pick of the week. I know. I've been listening to it again, and uh, i got to go with David Allen's GTD Fast. Uh, Gosh, it must have been 20 or 30 episodes that I talked about this uh, audio program. It's basically an audio recording of a two-day seminar that he gave on on his philosophy of getting things done. But it's it's just so invaluable, man. It just really breaks down the, the thinking behind doing stuff. And what mm-hmm. stops us and and systems, there it is, that you can put in place, but extremely modifiable systems that you can put in place for yourself uh, to just clear your brain. And if, even if you have a pile of stuff to do, so many things to take care of, systems that will, that you, like I said, that you can modify and, and adapt to yourself that you can put in place, so you can walk away from a huge pile of stuff like that to do and feel great and be completely present and know that it's going to be handled when it needs to be handled by you it's just it's brilliant stuff it's life-changing stuff so i'm gonna stick it out there again gtd fast is an audio program you can probably find it as a a cd set maybe a series of mp3s i'll look it up and stick it on the website but it's gonna cost a little bit of money but it's it's worth it man it really is that's awesome yeah how about you i like what you said about being present too that's what, it, that's that's what it's all thing. about, man. Yeah. Uh, the amount of life, I, of life I've wasted thinking and worrying about shit that I did not need to be, right. that I couldn't do anything about. Right. You know, like like right now, I've got to be designing this. I've got to be sending... It's like, well, are those things in front of me? No. Then relax, Trev. Yeah. There's a microphone relax, in dude. front of you. This is where you're at. This is where... You're, and you know what? As an invaluable piece of advice for, for actors is learning that you take that same energy into the audition room with you. Absolutely. So you walk into the audition room with your to-do list on your mind. Guess what? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, that's what GTD fast is all about. Setting up systems for yourself, personal systems that you kind of co-create with this philosophy in mind and just trusting that in that system is everything you need to handle. Like it's just, it's all about building a system that you can trust inherently so that when you put something into it, you can trust that you're going to see it at the right time. And when you, when your brain trusts that you will see it exactly when you need to see it and have all the resources you need in place to take care of that thing right then, then your brain can let it go until then it's going to be in the back of your head, shaking around somewhere going, Mm -hmm. pay attention to me, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. That's so. interesting too. The the idea of trusting yourself, 
Yeah. Or mistrusting yourself, I guess, is what happens when, when something's back there going, pay attention to me, pay attention to me, pay yeah. attention to me. Yeah. And every time that you say you're going to do something and don't do it, you just, you just eat away at that, that self-trust, you know, and you start to kind of slowly hate yourself for not keeping commitments to yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in a relationship, you know, a friendship with somebody and they're, they're going to meet you at the coffee shop at 12 o'clock and they don't call, they don't email, they don't text and they don't show up till 1230, 1245. They have dissolved the trust in the relationship. Mm-hmm. So guess what happens when you do that to yourself? Yep. You are running late and you don't call text or email that you're running late or you need to cancel something and you just put it off and put it off and put it off. You're dissolving the trust you have with yourself. Yeah. And that's just, it's not worth it, man. You yeah. know, that's your personal power. Yeah. And that's what this system is all system. God, that's what GTD fast damn word is all about. <laughs> I know. We're like, we hate systems. Check out this system. Yeah. <laughs> We've turned into a bad word and then keep saying yeah. it. Yeah. But, uh, that's what GTD fast is all about. And, uh, I'm really thankful to my, my, uh, my friend Evan for giving that to me, bringing that into my world. Awesome. So what do you got? Uh, I already said it. Uh, oh, that's right. Monty. That's yeah. right. I, I, <clears throat> was reminded how much I love. I fell in love with this musical when I was in high school, and it's obviously based on the British uh, comedy uh, film. That's not really a musical; has music in it, but it's not really a musical. Um, and then it, they, they took this, and um, it's a it's an American musical. It takes place in Buff- Buffalo, New York, um, and it's it's so brilliant. Like it's 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 got such a big heart. Music is fantastic. You can probably find it on iTunes. Um, <clears throat> and um, if you're in Los Angeles. The Third Street Theater is going to be performing it in September and October. Um, I'll definitely go check it out. It's I oh, gosh, in, it, in lieu of being in it, in lieu of being in it, I, gotta go, I, I, I get to go see it. That's right, awesome. right. Yeah, so very cool. So we'll stick a link to that on the website Beautiful. as well. Wow, this was a really cerebral episode. Very man. cerebral episode. I, I, I feel, I'm kind of feeling weird. I'm feeling like if someone were to listen to the podcast and this was their first episode, would they be turned on or turned off? Like, hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, if this, is the first, this is the first episode you ever heard. Would you be like, who, the, these guys are crazy sauce. Right. I'm right. bailing right now. <laughs> I don't know. It'd be interesting. Well, but, hopefully um, they'll let us know. Yeah. Be like, are you guys always like this? <laughs> Love actor from here. <clears throat> So, lots of ways that you guys can support the podcast if you dig what we're doing. First of all, thank you for listening. Feel free to tell your friends all about it. It's totally free. It always will be. And all we want to do is kind of add value and uh, good, solid, reliable information out there. Unbiased information. I mean, we're always going to be biased, but we try to get a good array of guests that have differing opinions and approaches on things. So, if you like it, tell your friends. And if you really like it, then, of course, you can uh, let us know by getting in contact with us. Yeah, just uh, check out our website at InsideActingPodcast.com where you can leave a comment and uh, get links to everything from the, the episodes to uh, the stuff we've mentioned in the episodes, links to, um, you know, breaking down, like Trevor said in the last episode, you know, the episodes by tags and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and... Uh, also find our, our email address and phone number on there, insideactingpodcast at gmail.com is the email and phone number is 213-2-ACTORS. It's 213-222-8677. That's right. You can also find us on Twitter. We're at twitter.com slash insideacting as well as individually. I'm at twitter.com slash Trevor Algott. I'm at twitter.com slash digital actor. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash insideacting. And if you really like what we're doing, uh, feel free to hop over to Actor Rated and iTunes. Do a search for us there and leave us a nice uh, a nice review. That would certainly appreciate that. Yes. I was looking at our Actor Rated review. Reviews the other night, and I was like, 
man, this is this is why we do it. Yeah, it just felt so good to know that we were just warm and fuzzy, improving our people's journeys or helping out in their journeys somehow in some small way. It was really great to to hear that. Yeah. So, um, thank you for those of you who have left those reviews. Um, way too many of us to talk about on the podcast. Way too many of them, I should say, to talk about on the podcast. But y'all know who you are. And uh, those of you who donate to the podcast, you also know who you are, and we know who you are, and we love you. And you're very, on our, and you're on our webpage. It. That's Woo! right. If uh, you are not one of those people yet, but you would like to be, please know that this podcast is 100% listener supported, and uh, every penny that you donate helps us build a better podcast. Two ways to donate. First off, you can uh, give us a, a lump sum. You can just do a one-time donation of any amount that you'd like, or you can donate to the podcast on a recurring monthly basis uh in three five ten or twenty dollar increments that is a bagel a coffee a lunch or a dinner so feel free to hop on there and treat us to something if you'd like of course we don't use that money to go buy pizza or anything we actually put it back into the podcast but it's just a fun way to kind of look at the different uh levels of participation and support that people can provide awesome that's it, man. That's all she wrote. Episode 75. It's in the can, baby. I'm Trevor Elgott. I'm AJ Meyer. We'll see you next time. Bye.